Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. Okay, tonight we have an awesome guest speaker tonight, uh, one of my bestest friends. This man loves the Lord with all his heart. This man is just a revivalist to the core. This man is my roommate, so he I know he's a revivalist because he'll come home at like 10 at night, and I'll be like, where were you? You know, like as a good roommate, you know. You're out late on a Tuesday night. Where were you? No, no, no. Right. It's so, uh, no, no. Yeah, accountability. No. And so, no, and he's had times where he said, oh, I was praying for someone at Ralph's and their back got healed, or I met this person and I was praying for them. And like, I hear these revival stories coming from him of just, just people he's encountered. I love this man. He's got no fear. Yeah, he just, he just walks right up to people and just starts telling about Jesus. So I asked him to speak tonight because I wanted something to get imparted into to us from this man and how he lived life just sold out for Jesus. He's full-time at work, right? And he's full-time in ministry at the same time, right? He's going for it. Maybe he's not. I don't know. He's laughing. Okay. (laughs) Did you just quit or something? No, right? But he's full-time living out ministry while full-time in the market as well. So go ahead. Welcome up Joel Podeswick. Love this man. And he's a great roommate. He's very clean. He makes me look like a slob. (laughs) Very clean. Very clean, man. All right, Lord, we bless Joel. We thank you for him. God, we ask that you would speak right to our hearts through him, Lord. I thank you that this is a message that he has spent decades writing. It's not something that he just thought of in 45 minutes to an hour or something like that. This is an impartation, Lord, that's coming right from his heart into us, Lord. So we ask that our hearts would be open and ready and that, yeah, we that you would just speak to us tonight. God, I ask that, that information would not transfer tonight, but revelation that leads to transformation, God. That's what we're asking for tonight. So we bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, thank you, guys. It's an honor to speak here, you know, it really is. I'm, I'm stoked to, to be speaking here, so thank you, Pastor Taylor, for the opportunity. Thank you all. Thank you. Oh, that's two thank yous. So <laughs> I love what Taylor was talking about, how in this time, the most important thing to do is to worship God in a, in a state of fear, right, in an atmosphere of fear, because worship is, is going to be what changes the world, and that's... I'm glad to be speaking on this because this is um, obviously a calling on my life. That's why I'm up here leading worship every week almost. And something I'm passionate about. So I absolutely love the fact that I get to talk to you about this. I am going to be teaching y'all how to live a life of worship. Everybody say, live a life of worship. That is what we're going to do after tonight, okay? So I just want to make the point or, or make the statement that if we want to walk in our highest calling and change the world, we must learn to become worshipers. Worshipers for the presence of the Lord because it's his presence that's going to change everything. Okay? The truth is that we as Christians are all called to be worshipers. Now, this doesn't mean just people who can play instruments like Kenneth on guitar, Diana on guitar, Diana singing, anyone on a cajon, not just musicians, but all of us. If you're a Christian, if you've given your life to Christ, then you're called to worship. You're called to be a worshiper. Because it's your destiny to live your life intimately with Jesus Christ. 
And that was God's plan from the very start, for him to have a close relationship with you, a close connection with you. And we do that through worship. So I'm going to start by telling you a story about an encounter I had with Jesus and how it kind of ties into worship. So I was at a point in my life where I was extremely depressed. And I feel like every time I'm up here talking, I'm talking about how depressed I used to be. And, but, I, but I was, it's the gospel, it changes lives. I was extremely depressed at this point in my, in my life. And I just so happened to be in the Bahamas on vacation with my family. And you might be thinking, are you serious, Joel? Why are you so depressed if you're on vacation in the Bahamas? Like, what is so heavy in your life that's causing you to be so sad while you're out in the, you know, snorkeling in the Bahamas? I would say that you have to understand that, the, that what I was going through in my life at that point, I didn't have a lot of friends. I was battling coming out of severe clinical depression. I was sad all the time. I was hopeless all the time. You could put me in anywhere in the world around anyone, and I would still be sad and hopeless. It was, it was this... It just bogged me down, man. It just controlled my life, and it was horrible. So most of the time, I'm depressed. And on this particular day, I was feeling extremely depressed. And the way it worked back then was it seemed like it would come over me in waves. Like, I would be generally depressed the whole time, but every now and then, this cloud of depression would come over me and just start raining on me. And then I'm, like, more sad than ever and just, just hopeless and extreme just dejection and hopelessness and sad inside. Um, so I was actually coming back from snorkeling with my family and I'm in the back of this boat, right? And all of a sudden I feel the cloud of depression come over me and I'm just sinking into this depressed state. And I remember I was, I was feeling this and I had my eyes closed and my head was down. And all I remember was in that state, I'm in the back of the boat, I'm alone, I'm feeling like horrible the whole day. And then all of a sudden Jesus appears to me in the spirit, right in front of me. Like, the, the most real I've ever felt him in my life. Now, all I can say is that I couldn't see him, I couldn't hear him, I couldn't touch him, but every cell in my body was aware of the fact that Jesus Christ was standing right in front of me. More real than this, more real than me standing, like, like, it was more real than this. I felt, I felt Christ more real than you guys standing right here in front of me. Every, every part of my body lit up. I was, I was shocked, like, my, again, my eyes weren't open. I was just, I was in the spot, but oh my God, he, I, here he is right here. I, I, I didn't even know how to respond. And I remember he appears to me and the first thing I do without even thinking, my first response is, and this is a vision I'm having in my head with my eyes closed. My first response is I grab his head and kiss him repeatedly on the cheeks. And that lasted for, and I was like on top of the world in that moment. And it lasted for five seconds, and then poof, he vanished. And then I came out of it. And I was pumped. My whole mood shifted. Oh, my gosh. I was depressed, and now I was filled with hope. I was like encouraged. I was, oh, man, I was pumped. It was amazing. It was incredible. I never felt anything like that. And then, so I was, on, I, I, I didn't know what just happened. I was on top of the world, and then I was really confused, like, Okay, I just kissed Jesus 20 times on the face. Okay, like I understood, I was really like, is this weird? <laughs> and because I know God, okay, God's our Father. He's a spirit in heaven. You know, we worship him. God is our, our heavenly Father. But Jesus is a man, and I'm a man, and I just kissed this man 20 times on the face. <laughs> so what do I do with that? And I didn't know what to do. 
and I was concerned. I was like, Joel, Jesus shows up, and you kiss him five times, and he runs away. You scare him off. You scare Jesus off because of your, your mushy-gushy kisses. I was, <laughs> I didn't know what happened, right? <laughs> and then years later, I forget about that. Years later, I hear someone teach on John chapter 4, where Jesus has the conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well. And in this conversation, Jesus says to her, the true, wor- new, and this is the New King James Version, Jesus says to her, the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. And that word worship in the Greek is the word proskenio. Everybody say proskenio. You want to know what proskenio means? It has numerous definitions, but one of the definitions of proskenio is to lean in and kiss. Ah, okay, okay, I get it. So I see what was happening in the back of that boat that day. I was worshiping God. I didn't know, at that point, I didn't know what I was doing. I was freaked out. I just kissed a man 30 times, and then he left. I scared him away, but it was Jesus, and I was worshiping him. I was worshiping him. According to the Bible, that's one of the definitions of worship. He's literally saying, the Father is seeking those who lean in and kiss him in spirit and truth. And if that still sounds weird to you, you have to understand it like this. The Bible talks about how Jesus is the bride and that we, no, Jesus is the groom, sorry. We, the church, are the bride. Jesus is the groom, thank you. And it also talks about how the, how the bride longs for the groom with great affection and love. So it would only make sense that if this grieved bride, if this bride is longing for her, for her groom, and say the groom has been away, the groom, she hasn't seen the groom, the groom's been away for months, whatever, and then randomly the groom shows up and surprises her, what's going to be her response? Exactly. It makes sense for her to jump on Jesus, wrap her arms around him, and kiss him repeatedly. And the reason why I'm telling you that is to remind you or inform you that the spirit of the bride lives inside you. And that we as Christians have been given this new spirit, this new spirit being inside of us. And this bridal spirit we have, because we're the bride of Christ, it longs for Jesus. It loves to worship Jesus. That means that it's in your spiritual DNA to worship Jesus. It's in your nature to worship Jesus. So I'm going to break down some of the meanings of worship and give you practical tools on how you can worship God in your everyday life. Point number one, worship is a lifestyle. Everyone say, worship is a lifestyle. Okay, that means worship is not just a Thursday night activity. This is not just a Sunday morning activity. Worship should be every day, every activity you do, being worshiped unto God. So, so, and music, guys, just throwing this out there, music is a powerful expression of worship, but too often we limit worship to just music. Like, even on our schedule of, of church service, we have worship from 7 to 7.30, and then announcements, and then this, and then the sermon. But in the actual, and I get it, it's an expression of worship, and it's powerful, and God shows up. But our whole life is actually worship, according to what the Bible says. Colossians 3.17, New King Jimmy Version. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through him. So to do everything in Jesus' name means to do everything for his glory with him in mind, right? New King Jimmy version again, 1 Corinthians 10.31. 
Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So then, one way we can live a life of worship is to honor him in everything we do. The Bible says that we are representatives of Jesus, that we are citizens of heaven, and it also says that we're ambassadors for Christ. And I love that it mentions and talks about how we're ambassadors for him, because that's an interesting word he chooses to use. In the same way that an American ambassador would be sent to a foreign country to represent America to that country. So, for example, if I were going to Spain and I was an ambassador of America, I would go in, uh, in the name of America. In other words, I would make sure that everything I'm saying, everything I'm doing in Spain is representing America and, and demonstrating my allegiance to America, demonstrating my loyalty to America. Everything I say in word, in word and deed, I should be representing and honoring my home country. And I'm basically the face. I'm the face on the representation of America. That's what God means when he says we're ambassadors for Christ. We should be representing him in our words and our deeds. In everything we do, we can worship him by representing him well. Because the world is watching and is desperate for him. So one of the main reasons we do this is because when people see Christ on our lives, they will, see, they will be drawn to him. They will be drawn to his goodness. The world, everyone you encounter, every unbeliever you encounter is deep down longing for Jesus. It talks about in Habakkuk how Jesus is the desire of all nations. That means deep down, people are longing for your God. They're longing for your Savior. They're trying to fill it with drugs. They're trying to fill it with video games. They're trying to fill it with movies. They're trying to fill it with anything else other than him. They don't realize deep down that they are longing for our God. So when we come and we're an accurate representation of Christ, when we're ambassadors for Christ, we're giving him glory, we're worshiping him, but we're also drawing the world to him. That's another way we can worship him with our lives, is to represent him well. Now the second half of that verse says, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So I'll touch on that now. Another way to live a life of worship is to constantly give thanks in everything we do. We should be thanking God always for all he's given us. After all, he's the one who's given us our clothes, the, the food we eat, our car, everything. Yes, the salt for David Knox. <laughs> so in our everyday lives, God, we should just make it a habit and a practice of um, just thanking him throughout our day, you know. Lord, thank you. God, thank you for my breakfast. Thank you for the eggs I'm cooking. Lord, thank you for my extra salt, God. Thank you for my gluten-free Cheerios, Lord. Hallelujah for my frosted Cheerios and that they're gluten-free, God. Thank you, Lord, for my car, Lil Red Riding in the Hood. Yes, I have a Ford Focus, and it's red, and I named her Lil Red Riding in the Hood. Okay, thank you, Lord, for Lil Red. Thank you for all you've given me, God. Thank you, Lord. Everybody say, thank you, Lord right? So thanking him is a way we give, we give God glory as well. We worship him as well. Colossians 3.23, this time in the New International Version, whatever you do, work with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for human masters. Now, there's this book called Practicing the Presence written by a Christian monk named Brother Lawrence, and that book's amazing. If you can read it, I recommend doing so. Uh, he was a Christian monk who wrote this book about worshiping God through his daily activities. And one of the primary tasks he had in his monastery was uh, washing dishes for the whole monastery. And throughout the book, he talks about how he would worship God by doing these things because he was intentional about doing these tasks, tasks as if he were doing it for God and not for himself or for people. 
So he'd be wash, uh, in the kitchen washing dishes, and he would be doing it for the Lord as if he's cooking God a meal and he's preparing for God, like he's washing God's dishes. And it, it talks about in the book how when he would do that, the manifest presence of God would come so powerfully in his kitchen and fill the entire kitchen in the monastery. Like the same thing we experience here with worship set going on, that would happen in the kitchen while he's washing dishes because he was intentional about doing it unto the Lord. And he wasn't just mindlessly, you know, washing dishes. Brother Lawrence enjoyed sweet intimacy with God while he did these mundane tasks because he understood that he could worship God as long as he were doing these things for God. So that's another powerful way we can worship God. Point number two, your worship should be in spirit. Say in spirit. In spirit. In spirit. Hallelujah. Jesus said that the Father is looking for worshipers who worship him in spirit. To do this, we must do what pleases the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.22 talks about the characteristics of, of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These characteristics are traits of our God. So whenever we demonstrate these in our lives to others, we're representing him well, and we're doing what pleases him. We're living a life that's pleasing to him when we're loving, when we're kind, when we're gentle, when we're good. Romans 12.1 says, in the Passion Translation, says, Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? I encourage you to surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. This becomes your genuine expression of worship. Right? So then to worship in spirit means to live according to the spirit. When our lives are delightful to him, and when we're pleasing to him, we're actually worshiping him in spirit. When we're living in holiness and sacrificing any desires we have that are contrary to his. Um, there are so many times when, actually, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. Living a life of sacrifice and choosing to do what he wants instead of what we want. That's, that's what pleases God. That's a life of worship. And it also means that we acknowledge that all of our communication and our interaction, guys, with God is through our spirit and not, not like a physical relationship we have with Jesus. In other words, we're not building a really high ladder trying to climb to a high altitude above the heavens in the clouds to try and meet God and try and connect with God. It sounds obvious, but I'm just clarifying. We, wor we seek God, we worship him, we pray to him all through our spirit. And we do this through things like prayer, reading his word, living life that pleases him, listening to the Holy Spirit, and practicing these every day. Jesus said that only those who are born of the Spirit can enter the kingdom of heaven. Flesh and bone can't enter the kingdom of heaven and can't come close to God, but only those who have been born of the Spirit. And again, if we've been born again, if we've given our lives to Christ, we have that new spirit in us with the righteousness that is equal to God's that we can connect with God through our spirit now. And that's one way we seek him in spirit. That's one way we worship him in spirit. Romans 8, verse 5 through 6 says, Those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And I know some of you have experienced this. Uh, when the Holy Spirit asks you to do some things that you don't want to do in the moment, 
That's probably because your mind is set on the flesh or set on ourselves and not necessarily what Holy Spirit wants to do. Like, there are multiple times where I'm out and about, I'm at the grocery store or wherever, and I'll feel God, like, prompting me and pointing me towards someone and then hear him tell me to go pray for him, pray for someone, some stranger. And I don't want to do it. I don't feel like doing it. I'm, I'm feeling super antisocial and awkward and insecure, and I don't want to talk to anyone. And God's going, go pray for them. Go over there. Go. <laughs> I'm like, all right, Lord, I'll go. <laughs> and then I go pray for them, and they, act, they end up getting touched by God, and I, you know, I give them a word, and they end up getting healed or something. And God actually ministers because I was obedient to sacrifice what I want to do to do what he wants to do. Does that make sense? Does, do we want this? I want this. <laughs> That's another way we can worship him in spirit. Point number three, your worship should be in truth. Everybody say, in truth. In truth. We worship God. This is really important too, guys. We worship God in truth when we know the truth and when we study and pursue the truth. That Jesus is the Son of God, that he is God, and that there's only one way to the Father, and that's through him. When we know that, when we have that biblical foundation in our lives. Because when we don't, we get our doctrine all mixed up. We start believing lies about God. And we end up worshiping an idea of God, what we want God to be like, our own image of, you know, whatever we would wish God to be like, and not who God really says he is as revealed in the Bible. In John 4.22, the Passion Translation, Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman at the well, and he said, your people, speaking of the Samaritans, don't really know the one they worship. We Jews worship out of our experience, for it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. You see, the Jewish people had the truth of God. They had the Torah. They had the revelation. They had the, the tablets um, given by Moses. And they had the commandments. They had the revelation. They knew who God was. They had this, they had this, this doctrine. And they knew who it was they were actually worshiping. The Samaritan woman, it was good. She, she had a good intention. She was trying to give God glory. She was trying to go and worship. But she didn't know who she was worshiping. She didn't really know God. She didn't, have a, she didn't have the doctrine. She didn't have the truth of who God was. And that's what, that's what he mentioned in that verse. And the truth is, we do this all the time. When we don't get into the Bible, when we don't read our Bible, we don't really know what God is truly like because we don't really spend time with him in his word. We start, we start praying things and then assuming God will answer a certain way. Or we just listen to the pastor and do whatever he says, and we never open up our stinking Bibles. Because, and we end up not knowing what God's really, truly like and his nature, his characteristics, you know? And because of that, we start worshiping an idea of God and not the true God and what he's really like. We do this all the time. Some of us are like, I haven't read my Bible in three weeks. I haven't read my Bible in two months. I don't know where my Bible is. What's a Bible? <laughs> they, we need to remember, we need to know the truth, y'all. We, we need to get in our Bible so that we can worship in truth, so that we can live in the truth. That's what we're called to, to worship Jesus in truth, to worship the Father in truth. And honestly, without the truth, you will live in bondage. You will live in bondage, and it's going to hurt. Because Jesus said, it's the what that sets you free? The truth that sets you free. If the truth sets you free, you will live in bondage. If you don't know the truth, you'll live in bondage. 
So that's another way we can worship God in truth, by studying the Bible to know the truth, by pursuing the truth. God loves our worship. He loves it so much that he sits enthroned on our worship, on the praises of his people. That's what it says in Psalms 22, verse 3. You are holy, enthroned on the praises of your people. We can make a throne for God with our lives wherever we go. When we live a life of worship, we can actually become a living, walking throne wherever we are. At any moment, Lord, you can rest on me right now, Lord, in what I'm doing, God. I thank you. I give you glory as I'm doing this, as I'm, as I'm washing dishes. I go to work. I sit in my cubicle. Begin to send an email. Lord, I make myself a throne right now, God. You can, wor- you can rest on me right now, God. I'm going to do this for your glory. I'm going to send my email like I'm emailing Jesus. I'm going to go through the drive-thru. Lord, I'm getting these curly fries as if I'm getting curly fries for you, Lord. You can rest on me right now. Yeah, I'll take five curly fries. <laughs> Lord, you, we're, where we are living a life of worship and we just, we're here. We're here. We're saying, God, I'm going to do, I'm going to live this life to where I'm pleasing to you in all my ways. Another story about a mentor I had years ago. Uh, his name was Eddie, and he was an amazing man, amazing man of great faith. And um, he was a worshiper, and he practiced God's presence. And I remember we had this worship night at our church, at the church I used to go to in Escondido years ago. And we had this worship night, and my parents came and met Eddie for the first time. And I would always come home and, like, talk about my prayer walks that I went on with Eddie, and I was like, I would always talk about Eddie, how he just actualized the Bible. He had amazing faith, man. And he was such a role model, and he influenced me in great ways. But anyway, my parents met him that night at the worship night. And, um, and then later on, I was asking my mom, you know, um, about how the worship night was. And she basically said, I met Eddie. And I was like, oh, cool. And she said, but the strangest thing happened, Joel. When I, when I saw him for the first time, he introduced himself to me, and he put out his hand, and I shook his hand. And when I shook his hand, I felt the most overwhelming peace come over my entire body. And I, had, I felt so good in that moment. And I was like, wow. I was like, it sounds like the presence of God. And she said, I've never felt anything like that. She said, the minute I shook his hand, I had such a good feeling about him. And I felt so much peace. Like, she... She said she, what she felt, she's never felt, just from shaking his hand, just from Eddie going, hi, I'm Eddie. Just a handshake. And the thing was, Eddie was a worshiper. Eddie practiced the presence of God. I'm sure that Eddie was intentional about doing all things for God. What if we lived lives like that? What if everything we did in life was intentional and we're doing it for God's glory and not just for ourselves or not just for work or our boss? To where if I'm at my cubicle and I'm sending five emails to Jesus, lengthy emails, and my arms are hurting, Lord, I'm doing this for you. Thank you. And I'm worshiping God in the moment. And someone walks by my cubicle and goes, whoa. (laughs) Or they feel God. They feel God on my life. Or when I'm in the drive-thru, yeah, I'll take nine curly fries. 
And they're like, oh, yeah, your change will be 9.55. Whoa. And they feel God's presence on me. What if we lived lives like that where everything we did was worshiping to God and, we, and God's presence rested on us? Like, I don't know about you guys, man, but I want this with my life. I want everything that God will give me in this age. I want everything that God will give the human spirit and my heart in this age. I want to experience the most of him that I can possibly experience. And I can do that through living a life of worship, representing him well, doing all things for his glory, pursuing the truth, all these things. How different would the church look? And how many more people would get saved just from shaking your hand? What if the people you talk to just on a day-to-day basis, um, just by talking to them, just by you having a conversation with them, they had an encounter with God because you chose to worship, because you chose to live a life of worship and honored him with your life and everything you did. So guys, just summing up everything we went over, point number one, worship is a lifestyle that we, where we live a life of honoring him and representing him in every way and all that we do and when we live a life of thankfulness. Point number two, worship should be in spirit, where we live a life that pleases him. Point number three, that worship should be in truth, where we know who it is we're worshiping and we're pursuing and studying the truth. What if you were God's favorite landing space to where his presence could land on you, so to speak, at any time, and he knows that he would be pleased by with what he sees and hears? In other words, the Bible talks about how the Holy Spirit can be grieved. We know that. What if we were such a pleasant and safe landing space for God to where at any moment, at any point of the day, he could show up and love it, love what he hears coming out of your mouth, love what he sees you doing. He would love what he sees in your life. This doesn't mean you're free of sin, right, because we all make mistakes, but it's simple. You make a mistake, you turn to Jesus quickly, and you repent, and then you're good, and then the slate is wiped clean. But What if God saw our hearts, right? He knows our heart. The Bible talks about he sees our heart. What if in our hearts we are constantly intentional about, Lord, Lord, I'm going to represent you well when I go into my job and when I talk to my boss. I'm going to represent you well. Lord, I'm going to walk in love and joy and kindness and gentleness. Lord, I'm going to give thanks, God. I thank you for my life, God. I thank you for my fully functional body. I thank you for a little red. I thank you for my gluten-free Cheerios. I thank you for my egos. Lord, I thank you for my life. What if we were intentional like that and that God knew that he could rest on you at any moment and he would be pleased with what he sees and what he hears? Let me just tell you, those are the people that God loves to hang out with. Those are the people he loves spending time with. That's what it means to be a worshiper of the Lord. And that's how we'll change this world. Where we carry an atmosphere of glory everywhere we go. Where we honor God in all our ways. What if we all lived so close to God at any moment we could lean in and kiss him because we honored him, we represented him well, and we carried his presence like that? That's what I want. And that's my prayer and my heart for all of us, guys, is that we would become such worshipers with our life that wherever we are, wherever we are, we would carry God's presence because it's only with his presence that will change the world. Like Moses said, when he was talking to God before he went and rescued the Israelites, he said, God, if your presence isn't going, I'm not going. If your presence doesn't go with me, God, forget it. 
How He literally says, how would anyone know that I'm set apart, that I'm called by you, unless your presence goes with me? Unless we're worshipers, we won't walk in our highest calling and we won't change this world. That's what's at stake. And what we can gain is our highest calling and everything that God has for us as worshipers of the Lord. So before I wrap up, I just want to pray for us that God would make us worshipers. Is that cool? <laughs> yeah, so just, just agree with me in your heart as I pray. Lord, God, we, we surrender our lives to you, Lord. Lord, we love you. We honor you, God. We thank you for everything you've given us, God. And I pray, God, that tonight, God, after tonight, Lord, we would be intentional, Father, about living a life of worship, God, about living a life dedicated to you, Father, and committed to you, God, where we will, God, we will sacrifice what we want for what you want, God. And Lord, even if that means setting aside desires and dreams, God, yes, you put so many dreams in our hearts, Lord, but in your timing, God, I pray that you would make us a people, Lord, that would be willing to sacrifice for you, Father God. For your name to be great, Lord. And for us to become your worshipers on the earth, God. And through that, have you change the world through us, Lord God. I pray that you would help us walk in thankfulness, God. I pray that you would help us walk in your presence, God. That we would honor and represent you well, God. That we thank you in all things. That we would do what pleases the Holy Spirit, Lord. And we would live this amazing life of worship, God. And we would experience all that delights your heart. And we would experience the joy of kissing your face in the spirit with all love and devotion to you, Lord. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we all just agree with this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsanmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.